to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. And today we're joined by Taki Morg, and we're going to be talking all things building a successful coaching business. Welcome, Taki. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited. So, Taki, before we started recording, you told me that you didn't have a laptop and you showed me the yep. small bag that you can run your business from. Tell me more. Yeah. Okay. So, sort of happened by accident, but I'm really glad it did. This time last year, I was in Sri Lanka in the jungle with my family, kind of camping and exploring, and I needed to run a webinar for our clients. So, we found a hotel about an hour away. And we checked that they had good Wi-Fi. I drove there the day before, checked that, you know, like did my um, 4G hotspot thing and it worked out great. And I was all set to run this webinar, get there at about 45 minutes, you know, the next day, 45 minutes before the webinar was due to start. And the hotel was, not only was there no internet, but the hotel was closed, like padlocks on the door. I was like, what? So uh, found another hotel down the road, which worked out fine. And I ran the webinar, it was all great. Got back to um, campsite and my laptop just died. I'm not quite sure what happened, but it just like black screen, couldn't turn it on, nothing. And there's no Apple store in Sri Lanka, certainly not in the jungle. And uh, so I was like, okay, no worries. I can live with my phone and my iPad. I'll be fine. Next up was the Philippines. No Apple store where we were there either. And I managed to, I watched a video about the iPhone X 10 or whatever it's called, how it's waterproof. And so my daughter and I went swimming to prove its waterproofness. Turns out it's not that waterproof. And uh, <laughs> it died too. And so I was, okay, no worries. I've got my laptop. I've got my iPad. And uh, it's getting a bit snackish. So I went to the hotel's shop and bought myself a big block of Toblerone, as uh, healthy people do. And I was walking back. I'm watching something on Netflix on my iPad, holding a big block of Toblerone, needed to open the hotel door, swiped it, dropped my key, and uh, went to catch the key. And I had to choose between either dropping the Toblerone or the iPad. And for some stupid reason, I dropped the iPad. As well. I dropped the iPad. <laughs> you picked the chocolate. <laughs> 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 but my Toblerone was fine. and. Uh, Anyway, long story short, raced into town, bought myself a new iPad, and frankly, haven't needed a laptop in a year. And I'm like, dude, I, except for today for our Zencaster link, didn't seem to work, but everything else has been completely fine. And uh, turns out my whole job is really two things. I need to talk and I need to draw. And I use my phone for talking and my iPad for drawing and everything else. I haven't like typed in, I don't know, like a year and a half. It's good. And I think that must be a reflection of the systems and the team that you have supporting you in your business. Someone, I'm yeah, assuming super. someone's there at a Some, computer. Right it's just not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of people and they can do all the typing. I do my best work in collaboration and so I just need to be able to draw a lot or write and sketch things and then I kind of take screenshots, send it to Mike, my designer, who turns it into slides and workbooks and that sort of stuff. All of our content, you know, I talk it and then it gets converted into emails and blog posts and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, really lucky. But I think it's just about playing to your strengths, really. Like, regardless of if you've got a team or not. You know, years ago when I first got started, the only role model I had you know, for you know, a business like this was a guy called Dan Kennedy, who I don't know how well you know, but kind of incredible marketer, sort of grumpy old man, hate people, likes to write, sits in his kind of office and like sends newsletters at people, you know, print newsletters. And I was like, oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do. So I'll do that too. And I found myself kind of in the downstairs of my house at the time, trying to write newsletters these 12-page print newsletters. I was late every time because I'm an extrovert. I like to talk. I, and there was no people and I had to write and it was awful. And so I just decided after about a year of that, 
been the one took so long. You know, we got it to like 60 grand a month or something like that. But I was like, this is awful. I can't see a smile on people's faces when they win and when they get it. And so I built a whole business around, you know, frankly, around my strengths, you know, which is connecting with people and talking and creating great ideas and moving people forwards. And I need to see the smile and, uh, you know, don't need a laptop for that. And I'd love to dig into a little bit of your backstory around how you got into coaching and then that evolution to take your business to what it is now. So I don't know exactly where to start, but sort of since I was maybe 17 or 18, really fascinated by this idea of coaching, read a bunch of books by coaches about coaching and thought it was fascinating. Every time there was an ad in the paper for someone like running a seminar about coaching or to become a coach, I just kind of felt like it was they were my people. They're smart and they care and they really want people to win and their business succeeds to the degree that their clients win. And I really love that. And, um, you know, so I, I got my start working for a coach in Sydney. His name's David. And uh, at the time, he just cashed out of corporate, started up an action coach franchise, Action International, it was back then. And uh, I was hired as the marketing guy, which, you know, a business card said marketing manager, you know, world number one business coaching team. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. My office is going to be incredible. I'm going to be like sending the troops out and like doing all this cool stuff. It turns out I was like this, some dude's house in Balmain. And, uh, my first job was to get 16 small business owners into a room at the Balmain Tigers Leagues Club, very glamorous, in the Legends Room. So this kind of small room full of like black and white photos of old football players. Not that great, you know? So we worked. They gave me this three-ring binder with 74 pages worth of scripts for this one phone call, which is like you ring a business owner who doesn't know you and you invite them to the seminar. And it took me two weeks. Like the script was bad. Nobody really wanted to talk to me. And, um, you know, I'll cut the long story super short. 22 people said they were coming, you know, 16 business owners plus their you know, husband, wife or, or whatever. And uh, come the night of the workshop, only two of them showed up despite having spoken to them three or four times confirming and triple confirming and double, you know, double, triple confirming. And I got home the next day and I was like, well, what is it that makes these people not, like tell me to my face that they're coming and they're not show? And, uh, you know, clearly if you take responsibility, there was something that I'd done that made them feel more comfortable lying to me than show up. And I was like, well, what happened? If I call them, they push back. How do I get them to call me? And so I just got obsessed with this. Like, how do we make a coaching prospect call you first? And that's kind of how it all started. Mm. And then what was the evolution from that to your business and then yeah. your team and starting to play with your strengths? Yeah. So worked at Action for a few years, maybe three years or something. I loved it. Every day was like being in a seminar. You got like challenged and called on your stuff. And it was like being in a seminar every day for four years. It was over three or four years. It was amazing. Then I left to go do my own thing, which at the time was uh, speak at schools, getting kids revved up. That's trying to be like Tony Robbins for 10, 11, 12-year-olds because I've grown up to scary and which were fun. Yeah. And uh, so I'm running these seminars across Sydney at schools and having a really good time. And then I had a guy reach out to me who was a friend of a friend, a you know, business coach guy, part of the same franchise, action coach, uh, owed head office 30 grand and was had been given like 30 days to pay the money back or they'd kick him out. It was two weeks before Christmas. He's got five kids and, uh, yeah, he's terrified. He's got 30 days to come up with money that he completely does not have. I'm like, okay, well, what's your plan? And he said, well, if I can get 50 people to come to a two-day workshop and pay $1,000 each, I've got 50 grand, you know, 30 for the franchise, franchisor and 20 grand for me and my family, I think we'll be okay. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds good. But it's two weeks before Christmas. Dude. Like, no one's going to shop to the workshop the week before Christmas. That's just silly. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been so kind of stressed out, but I haven't really thought it through. I thought, okay, well, even to get like 50 people to give you a grand, you've got to have a pretty good size list. How big is your database? 
I don't really have a database. I've got seven current clients. I've got seven past clients. And he thought for a minute and then he said, uh, not all the past clients still like me. <laughs> so we've <laughs> got this terrible situation where this guy, you know, he's got no money and no leads, you know, no list and no time. And I'm like, oh, dude, I don't know what to do, but come over to my place tomorrow. We'll have a chat, see if we can work out a plan. I didn't know any of what I know right now. It was kind of very old school. But we got him every month, the franchise action coach sent an email out to all of the franchisees. And all it was was a list of all of the you know, hundreds of people's names, all the coaches' names from top to bottom. Top was making the most money. Bottom was the least money. And he was either bottom or second bottom or third bottom. Like he's right at the bottom. And he just followed my plan. I called him every day for 30 days. And uh, he went to number two in the country. And everyone like, saw him go from the bottom to the top the next month. The email went out and they said, well, how on earth did you do this? And he goes, well, this guy Taki helped me out. And sort of by accident, it turned into this business that we run now, uh, helping coaches to grow and scale. Yeah, he sent an email to some friends and they were our first clients. This is wow. like 2009. That's incredible. And so what were some of the tactics you were using then to help it was pretty, him? Dude, it was pretty, yeah, it's pretty funny. He had uh, one really good result with a restaurant, a cafe restaurant in Sydney. And we thought, okay, well, let's go there. Where's a really good area with some nice restaurants? It was kind of Mossman Neutral Bay in Sydney. And so I wrote this direct mail piece for him. It was like a one-page letter that we sent to 10 restaurants in this one restaurant strip, kind of all nice, kind of high-end restaurants around Mossman. And the letter, imagine that you run an Italian restaurant, Meryl, and I run like a Greek restaurant and there's, you know, all of the normal restaurants in the area. And so the letter that you got said, you know, to Meryl's Italian. And then underneath the next one was CC. It was a physical piece of paper, but it was CC like an email or a fax back then. CC, you know, Taki's Greek, Anthony's Thai, you know, the other nine restaurants. And the letter just said, you know, notice I'm writing this letter to nine of you competitors as well. What I've got to say is important. Thumbs up the essence. I can only work with one of you guys, so please read on. And it just told the story of the cafe that he just turned around and said that he's looking for one more client in this area. He could only work with one, so first in best rest. And what happened was all of the restaurant owners grabbed the letter, walked outside, went to their neighbor and said, did you get this letter? And they're like, yep, I'm not going to do anything about it. Are you? Nope. They all walked back inside and they all called. And uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. So um, he took one. And then we sent the same letter to three other yeah, high-end restaurant areas around Sydney. It worked two out of three. So we ended up with three really high-end clients paid up front. And then we did this other referral strategy that got in 57 book appointments for $3, three or $4 total. Anyway, long story short, yeah, it was super manual and he worked his butt off. And there's no way in a million years I'd recommend that strategy right now. But at the time, we just kind of went with what we had, which was you know, some blood, sweat and tears. You know, We'll come back to the rest of your story in a moment, but... I think sure. this is a nice segue to compare the tactics that you were using then to the kind of strategies that you teach now to help coaches yeah. grow their coaching business. Yeah, completely different. Frankly, that was 2009. I didn't know anything about the internet. It's just so much easier now to get coaching clients. So right now, the work that we do has evolved. It used to be, you know, I was the marketing guy, you know, the get leads guy. And um you know, now really we help people with three core problems. You know, the first being, I don't have enough leads. The second is, frankly, most coaches are great at coaching and pretty awful at selling their stuff. And so we've got some really elegant, you know, very natural, authentic, no push, no kind of douchebaggery required ways to have a conversation with somebody and have them say, yes, please, I really want to hire you at uh, you know, premium prices. And then thirdly, when coaches get the marketing and the sales piece right, they tend to fill up pretty quickly. Most people run like a, a one-on-one coaching model. And, uh, you know, once you've got your know, 10 or 15 or maybe 20 clients, you're maxed out. And so we're really good at help, you know, designing coaching programs where 
people can get clients the same kind of results they get if they were working one-on-one with you, but in a group of 50 or 100 or 200 or 500. Yeah? yeah. So kind of big picture, that's kind of the spread. How we get people leads right now, let's say somebody started working with us today, like what's the very first thing we'll do? There's probably four things we'd do before we got fancy and high tech. So maybe we chat about that for a second. Yeah, sure. So first things first, we want to make sure that we've got one specific target market. I know that sounds basic and probably everyone talks about it, but most coaches have the skill that they could help anyone with anything, but you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> so um, your know, first job is like, who's the person we're trying to help? What's their problem and what's our promise? We want to get that really nailed down. So we've got an offer that is irresistible to the potential client that gets you a really great return on investment, you know, kind of a great you know, profit from it. And uh, frankly, can be delivered to a group, not just a single person. So that's kind of job number one. Most people come into us with an idea of who that is, but we've got some, you know, some strategies around kind of helping to choose the right niche. Secondly, we go organic first. And so we've got a couple of things we do. One's a simple Facebook post and one's an email that we run that are designed to get the people in your current world to respond. So pretty much every coach I meet has either got some people on an email list or some LinkedIn connections or some people you know, connected to them on Facebook or on a Facebook group or have you know, liked their Facebook page. So the very first post we run is usually something we call a 5130. So if you just kind of write down the numbers, 5130. And it'll be a post that looks something like, I'm looking for five, insert your target market. By the way, everyone who's listening to this, if you want to get some clients like this week, you should totally do this, right? So the formula is 5130. So it's, I'm looking for five, the target market. So I go, I'm looking for five business coaches who want one specific result. So you can think about what's one specific result that you can help people get in a short period of time. So I might say, I'm looking for five business coaches who want to sign five to 10 new clients in the next 30 days. So that the 30, so it's five is five people. One is one specific result, and the 30 is the short time frame. 30 days seems to work best. If that's you, comment five below. And uh, literally, if you posted that to your Facebook profile today, or you dropped it in a Facebook group, or you sent it by email or dropped it in LinkedIn, you're going to be flooded with leads you know, in the next hour. So, step one, who are we targeting? What's our offer? Step two, 5130 post followed by, we've got a process called sell by chat, which is how we take the people who comment or reply by email and message them, qualify them and work out if it's worth booking a sales call. So that's step two, 5130 plus chat. Step three, teach them the triage call and strat session, our sales process. Usually after we've done step three, people have made, you know, my secret goal, frankly, is that people can pay off their whole year in black belt in the first you know, couple of weeks, sometimes 30 days, sometimes 40 days, but usually in you know, the first few weeks. And then everything we do after that is profit. And, uh, you know, you'd be an idiot to leave if it's already paid for itself and it's fun, you know? So I have a tendency to blab on about my stuff and think it's amazing. This is your podcast, not mine. So why don't I shut up and you can kind of drive us from here. I had a quick question about the triage call step. Yeah. So how would you handle it? My understanding of a triage call is to understand whether someone's the right fit in a quick call. How do you handle it if you can tell straight away they are the right fit? So it's kind of tempting to go into the longer version of the call rather than to get someone to rebook another call. But how do you yeah. handle that? And what are your suggestions? Yeah. So the triage school's job is two things. It's to build trust quickly and qualify, qualify fast. And um, we either triage on a nine-minute phone call like you're referring to or we triage by chat. In our business right now, we triage much more by chat than we do by call. But the temptation, let's say you're on a call and like three minutes in or five minutes in, you go, this person's perfect for my stuff. There's a temptation to go, well, let's just do the whole thing. And I think it's a mistake. 
And I think it's a mistake for a couple of reasons. Firstly, as the trainer, you know, the person who kind of teaches people to do this thing, sure, it can work, but I'd much rather you do what uh, you go where the percentages are and the percentages are much, much higher if you go to a two-core model. The reason that that's more effective is because of if you've interacted with somebody, say Facebook or email, and then had a quick call, by the time we've had a third call, there is trust and relationship and they're hungry to find the solutions. And I'd much rather that you, what's the word? Frankly, I'd much rather you let the prospect simmer in their problem and be looking forward to the solution than feel like you're moving them forwards. The way we sell is that the prospects buy and it's a pull process, not a push process. Does that make any sense so far? It does. No, that makes a lot of sense. And by allowing the prospect to have that extra time and having an additional call and additional touch points, I can see how that would help to build trust as well. So I can see why it yeah. might be tempting to just push it's on really with the rest of the process. Yeah, yeah. I can see why it would make sense to actually stop and then allow some time and then move into the next phase of the, the process. Yeah. So I've been triage calling since 2009, like mid-2009. and probably twice I've ever skipped it and gone straight for the, the actual call. And that's because in both cases, the clients have said, hey, Taki, that's really, really good. I know that we're supposed to have another call. I'd really like to do this. I've got some time right now. Could you please show me how it works? But I've never once pushed for it. Like, frankly, our conversion rate from strat session to client is 93, 94%. And wow. um, pretty, yeah, and that's without, like with no deals on the day, no bonuses, no fake scarcity tactics, no manipulation, no pushing, no double force close, you know, manipulative sales techniques just by being the right solution at the right time. So I just don't think you need it. We've talked about how coaches can, we've looked at some of the marketing and sales strategies and you went through that four-step process. Let's go back Mm -hmm. a step to a coach that's just starting out. So they might not yet be clear on some of these things or they're not sure how to go about getting those first few clients and getting started with their coaching business. So what would you recommend they focus on in the, say, the first 90 yeah. days? Yeah, this is great. So full disclosure for everybody listening, every coach has got a specialty. Our specialty is helping someone go from six figures, you know, like eight or 10000 dollars a month to a million dollars a year. We're really good at that piece. We don't do a ton of startup work just because there's probably people who are better at it than us, but I can share some wisdom. But just so you know, if there's another coach out there who specializes in getting your first five clients, do what they say. And then once you're at 10 grand a month, we're really helpful. You know, like we got 51 people to a million dollars a year last year. And I helped probably five people make their first dollar. Is that cool? Can I just be honest? Okay, yeah, that's great. Okay. So yeah, it's really good to kind of get the right help for the right situation. So if I was starting out, what would I do? Well, the very first thing I'd do is I'd figure out who I could be most useful for in just the way that I said, like we specialize in getting this person to that result. What we want to do is figure out a niche that makes sense that you can get a real result for. And so what I'd usually suggest you do is you've probably already got an idea about the kinds of people you could coach. Let's make a list of like three, four, five, six options. And then for each of the options, we're going to ask three questions. And my three questions are basically, do I like them? Can I help them? Will they pay? And so for each niche, you want to go like, who's the person I want to help and what's the problem that I'm solving? Uh, Some people make the mistake, I think, Meryl, of confusing a demographic with a niche. Like I work with single moms or I work with real estate agents. That's not a niche, that's a demographic. So a niche is like the combination of who you help and what problem you solve. Once you've got that, then I think we've got something we can work with, right? Yeah. So let's say we've got five options. 
we list them down the left-hand side of a sheet of paper. We draw three columns, and the columns are, do I like them? We're going to put a big fat tick or a cross or a question mark next to each of the three people, the you know, three or five options. Do I like them? Can I help? Can they pay? Yep. So do I like them first? Our rule is, would I have this person over to dinner with my family? Or would I like to go on holidays with them, the boardroom? But for a start, like, do you enjoy working with these kind of people? I've got a client who's just finished up, sold his business working with lawyers. He's an ex-lawyer. It made logical sense, but he doesn't actually like lawyers very much. And so no matter how successful you get, it was you know, a few million dollars a year, not that fun. You know, long-term, not super sustainable, right? Number two, can I help them? You know, if this is their problem, can you actually get them a result? And if you're just getting started, that might be a question. Like, I'm not really sure I haven't done this yet. So the, the way we kind of clarify that is, have you done it yourself? Have you helped others do it? Or do you know more about it than they do? And that's kind of a, not world-class yet, but it's a good step in the right direction, yeah? And again, we're going to tick across or question mark down the middle column about can I help them? And then finally, will they pay? Will they happily pay money for this advice or this help? And so years ago, I was in a workshop and a woman said, I'm having some trouble with my pricing model. I said, well, yeah, can you clarify what do you mean? She goes, well, people just aren't paying what I feel like I'm worth. Okay, so who's the market? And she said, unemployed single mums who've been on welfare for five years and want to get back in the workforce. <laughs> and um, you don't have to be a genius. Maybe there's a problem with the market here. You're probably an incredible coach, but you're talking to people who've got no money. And uh, frankly, you're going to be doing this for a little while. The easiest way to make money in coaching is to find a market who's actually got money to give you in the first place. And I know that sounds kind of a little bit mercenary, but let's just be honest. You're in this because you want more money and more meaning and more freedom. And it's going to be super hard if you go after a market with zero dollars. Yeah. That's really helpful. And yeah. I especially like the part about liking who you're working with too to make it sustainable. But I think... Yeah, life's too short. Yeah, it's easy to miss that step and just think about kind of important. who can pay. But yeah, very important. And like We've all that, got people that we know that when the phone rings and you see their name, you'll let it go to voicemail, <laughs> right? You don't want that sinking feeling when a client messages you. And so, yeah, we want to upgrade your whether you're just getting started or if you've been coaching for a little while, if you get that kind of stale feeling, it's probably time to upgrade your, but tell your target market a little bit and kind of work with people who excite you. Yeah, that's really helpful. Let's circle back to your story again. So we were at the point where you started to grow your business. I'm really interested in some of the strategies that you used to enable you to focus on your strengths. So how did you go about building your team? And do you have some strategies that other people could use in their business to help with that? Yeah. So at first, like ask anyone who knows me and they'll tell you that I'm good at like two things and everything else I'm just miserably, horribly, terribly, awfully, abysmally bad at, right? So I'm banned from my calendar. I've got read-only access <laughs> after uh, booked myself to speak at three different conferences on the same day in three continents a few years ago. And uh, the team's like, well, okay, you're never doing that again. You're allowed to look, but don't touch. For God's sake, please don't touch. So for me, it started with like, what am I not good at? Which was like almost everything. And then I just hired one incredible virtual assistant called Ashley. And uh, Ash and I worked together for nine years. She just finished up nine months ago and I bawled my eyes out because she's like such a huge part of our journey. And so Ash, if you're listening, I'm big love, hope you're well. So it started off with like, how can I get somebody to do the stuff that I'm not good at? And so if you think about yourself, like any other kind of practitioner, like a doctor or a dentist or a brain surgeon, yeah, the brain surgeon doesn't like admit the patient, doesn't like do the prep work, there's people who kind of get the patient in, check the charts, get them on the table, sedated or whatever it is. And then the brain surgeon kind of pops in, puts their gloves on. You know, somebody helps them put their gloves on. They do their piece. And then when they leave, somebody else like stitches up the patient, gets them back ready again. And so, you know, there's a bit that 
you do that is magic and the rest is kind of, you know, lesser mortal stuff, if you know what I mean. And so it started off with, I'm really good at some bits, but I'm drowning in emails and I suck at calendars. And if I never had to check voicemail again, I'd be thrilled. So I hired Ash and that was her three jobs. Like never want to look at email. I'm the guy who sends the email. I don't read email. Voicemail I'm terrified of and I'm really bad at calendars. So she just kind of took care of that. And then the tech stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So I started with one person, maybe for the first three or four years, it was me and Ash, you know? Now we're lucky enough that we've got an incredible team of, I don't know, 10 or 15 people around the world who kind of help you know, make the machine hum. But I think if I was a coach and I was getting started right now, I would grab a blank sheet of paper, put a circle in the middle, almost like a mind map, put your name in the circle. And then what are the three things which you're great at, you know, that you love? So for me, it'd be my genius zone is if I'm creating content or performing content or brainstorming with cool people, that's like the three things that Tucky's great at. So you just put your name and the three things which you're amazing at. And then let's put like eight bubbles, eight circles around that main circle, almost like a mind map. And each circle is going to start with, I need someone who, right? So you might go, who do I need? Well, I need someone who manages the website. Great. I need someone who can help me with social media. I need someone who can look after the kids. Like I think often we're really quick to outsource business, but we're really slow to outsource at home. How helpful is it really that you're the one who goes to the supermarket and does the grocery? That doesn't help you at all. But that hour is an hour you could spend doing something else. You could send somebody else there for like 15 bucks or 20 bucks. You know what I mean? And get the groceries done. So just think about like if you were a Formula One driver and you just put into the pit lane, who are the people around you who are putting on the tires and refueling the car and doing all that stuff? So for me, it's like someone who can design my worksheet, someone who can build websites and do tech stuff, somebody who can look after customer support questions that aren't like around strategy. Maybe if your business has grown a little bit, it's like someone who can do some of the coaching for me or with me. Maybe it's someone who could sell. You know, what are the bubbles around you? And then you look at that and you go, wow, that's a lot of people. I've got no money. How on earth are we going to be able to do that? And you just kind of pick the, each one of those probably isn't a full-time person, but I think just getting super clear about who your crew could be. And then who's the first person to get in your team? And it's like some people you just trade. Like I've got a guy right now, his name's Josh, amazing dude. He helps us create a lot of the black belt content by interviewing clients who are great at the particular thing. And so Josh probably works with us, I don't know, five hours a week, not heaps, or when there's an event coming up. And Josh is a straight trade. You know, I look after Josh and I help him with a few things and I make some introductions for him. No money changes hand and he's happy as Larry doing this for me. And we've got a code word. If ever I ask too much, he just has to send me a Facebook message with the word, whoa, Nelly. And that'll be like, hey, Taki, so it is a little bit much. Can we just dial it back a bit and have a conversation and kind of reestablish some relationship? Does that make sense? Yeah, I love how you've laid that out. And that leads me into some questions around the way that you create frameworks. I see that as a real strength of yours. I know yeah. I've watched many of your videos and really like the way you can lay out something that can be complex in a way that makes sense in a framework. And yeah. I wanted to ask you about how you develop that skill. Or was yeah, that something well, it's you really had? No, it's totally not. I'm completely disorganized and I'm super messy. But two things ha- happened which made me get really good at it. And the first was a few years ago, we ran our first ever workshop. And I was like, okay, if we're going to run a workshop, we need workbooks. And if we're going to have workbooks, we need worksheets in them. And worksheets are full of like little square boxes. And so I need to get good at like turning my stuff into boxes that people can walk through step by step by step. Yeah. And so the physical paper workbook in an event was the forcing function that, you know, that got me to start to think about systemizing things into steps. So that was the kind of the trigger. And then how we do it is, you know, if I've got to do something more than once, I would like a system for it. So I don't have to think. I think thinking is hard work and kind of overrated. (laughs) And so, you know what I mean? Like, so every year, for example, in November, at the end of November, after our last event, we plan out the whole of next year. 
And it takes us about 90 minutes to calendar out the whole year, everything that we're going to be doing, all of the decisions are made. And so for the whole year, apart from that, like one day when we're thinking, I just kind of run around like a pig in mud with my brain turned off and I just do what I decided last year. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of liberating to be the, it's going to sound really dumb, but like, I don't know if you've ever like thought, wow, how good would it be just to have like a nine to five job like regular people? Like you work in a factory or you're in a shop or a bakery, like you know what you're doing at five o'clock, you're just going to walk out with your brain turned off and it's kind of easy again. You know, we could probably do it like a day before we went mental, but you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's kind of, it'd be nicer not to have to think so much. And I think what frameworks do is allow you to come up with amazing stuff without having to think super hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Just following on from that with your comment about yeah. planning the year in advance, what happens if something comes up, like an opportunity comes up mid-year so that's not part of the plan? Do you have a framework or how do you decide whether to even consider it or not or whether you're going to change course or stick with the plan? Yeah. So all of the big important stuff is locked in. Like I know, for example, every one of our webinars for the year is in. Every live event is in. The locations that we're traveling to are in. For example, if we go to a country that's like we're supposed to stay in for a week and we love it, we just change plans and we stay there for a month and vice versa, right? Business-wise, if a speaking opportunity comes up and it fits and it feels like fun, I'll do it in a nanosecond. But all of the big decisions are made. Right. And it's almost like that creates the flexibility because that's locked in. As you said, you can stay more than a week somewhere if you're traveling. Yeah. But the big picture plan is there. Yeah, so I'm not going to change, like, barring a natural disaster or, I don't know, like, for example, we've got some strategies we run on Facebook that build an audience and warm people up, get them to know us and then trust us and then like us and then book an appointment if it makes sense. You know, if Facebook dies tomorrow, I don't think it will, but if it did, then I've got to rethink some of our plan. But, like, all of the big stuff's done, yeah, the 80% decided, and that gives you complete flexibility to be in the moment and do a little bit of magic. And if something better comes along, it's okay to change it. But I think what most people don't have is a plan in the first place. And so if you don't have a plan, then every idea feels like a good idea and you never get to move forward because you're always like looking left and right, wondering what to do. Yeah. Well, Taki, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. I had lots of questions that I wanted to ask you about, and you've done a great job of talking through them. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? Only that if you're a coach, I think you're really lucky and you're probably in the best business in the whole world. There has never been a better way to have more fun, help more people and make more money than coaching. And so if that's you listening to this right now, then dude, high five you. I'm super excited. You know, I hope our paths cross one day and I'd love to help. It's an opportunity. It's a gift. And uh, I can't think of anything in the world more fun than being a coach. And lastly, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So say someone was interested in learning more or working with you, where should they yeah. go? I reckon the best thing to do is to grab a free copy of my book. I wrote a book called Million Dollar Coach, which is kind of all of our frameworks for growing a coaching business. You know, on the marketing side of things, there's you know, three projects. On the sales side of things, there's kind of three accelerated there, three projects there. And then on the delivery, like how to go one to many in there. And you can get it at takisbook.com. And I reckon that's probably the easiest place to start. Grab a copy, free download. And uh, I think it'll be super useful and pretty helpful. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Well, thanks so much, Taki. It's been awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. Sorry it took so long to kind of get this happening, but I'm really glad we've got a chance to connect. Yeah, me too. By the way, if you're a coach or consultant, we've published an in-depth guide to help you improve your financial health and cash flow this year. Check it out for free at beingninjas.com forward slash coaches. That's B-E-A-N-N-I-N-J-A-S dot com forward slash coaches.